0: Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than those hot wheel cars that change colour when you put them in water. Always pink and blue though, yeah. My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. And the one that remembers the most things about the 90s. Hmm... Thank you for hitting that download button once again and joining us. And again, looking back at our favourite decade, the decade that changed football forever. Um, we've got such a funny episode um, for you today as well. Um, well, week after, doing, we started out our 90s feature with um, Sam Homewood, which if you haven't listened to already, check that out. It was real fun looking back on Man United. Uh, we are taking a slight swerve around that. We'll be back to that. Theme in no time. We've got some great guests lined up for that. Um, Today, we're speaking to two authors uh, of a brand new book, a really entertaining book, actually um, a sequel, a better sequel than Lockdown 2. Yeah, I make that joke on the show as well. Um, It's called Second Yellow, and it's by two guys called John Smith and Dan Trelfer. It's basically a a comprehensive guide to autobiographies. So, if you ever read footballer autobiographies, not just in the 90s, but throughout, um, I don't know when they started, but whenever football diarography started, um, they've included the best bits, the greatest hits, if you like, um, some stories that genuinely you won't believe that we get into on the show. And it's really, it's a really, really fun show. Um, I, it's one of those shows you don't really expect when you uh, when you get when you line up. We had a brief and we chatted for, about what we we're gonna talk about on the show and we go down so many fun tangents that uh, yeah I'm sure you'll enjoy it there's some things I learned about some certain non-footballing famous faces of the 90s that uh, I'll never forget actually so uh, yeah enjoy that one We've also got a special guest on the show, first of this series as well. I was lucky enough to speak to Lars Bohenen a couple of months ago, which I've been sitting on and I've saved for this second episode of the new series. Uh, we chat about his time at London Forest and Blackburn, and of course, being part of that great Norway team that uh, knocked England out of the qualifying for USA 94. And of course, we couldn't help but touch on his uh, after football exploits, which we, we get into on the show. So I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because I don't think there's anything 90s related in the world that I need to just mention. Oh, apart from the Save by the Bell reboot that's happening any day now in America, need to find a way to see that because I don't think it's been made available in the UK yet. But you know me, bloody love Save by the Bell, so I'll find a way to definitely watch that. I've been watching, actually, this isn't 90s, it's more 80s, but finally got around to watching Cobra Kai on Netflix. And I have to say, as a man who is who loves Karate Kid. It's one of my favourite films of all times. Yes, it's 80s, but I watched it numerous times in the 90s. Bloody love Karate Kid. I think it quite possibly is the best spin-off, reboot, whatever word you want to use I've ever seen. It's, it's brilliant. It keeps the same vibe. It has the same people. It's not hokey. It's brilliant. So if you haven't checked out Cobra Kai, you probably have because I'm well late to the party. Go and check it out. Um, oh, the only other thing I wanted to mention, proud dad moment alert. Uh, last Saturday night, we usually have a little boogie on a Saturday night, me and my uh, my wife and my two girls um, after dinner, just like, you know, like you did used to on a Saturday night. And usually the uh, the little one asks for Alexa to play something from Frozen or CBBS or something. But out of her own back, I mean, she'd heard the song before because we'd played it a couple of times, but she'd remembered the name. She went, Alexa, play Wickfield. Genius. So here we are dancing to Saturday night on a Saturday night. It was like the 90s all over again. Thanks, Cause. Cheers for that. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Um, Joining uh, John and Dan with me is, of course, Joelinho as well. So the four of us get into a right giggle over the book and over a number of things. West Ham, there's a lot of QPR because Dan's a QPR fan. Yay! And loads more. Enjoy the show and I'll speak to you next week. Keep it 90s.
1: Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast.
0: Hello there, back again, yes, welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast, the original and best place to talk about 1990s football, and I'm joined by uh, three guests, today. well one of them's not a guest, let's introduce him first, he's been here since day one-ish, he is the social media mogul for, I don't know, I don't even know what he is anymore, but lots of different things, but more importantly, lots of different things, he's our Joel Lemio. how are you doing Joel? I'm very well,
1: thank you. Uh, yeah, um, day one-ish, what do you mean, day one-ish, or is that, <laughs> is that an Uso's reference? It's
0: uh, WWE Uso's reference, yeah, sorry, I was, being, <laughs> I was throwing that in early, sorry to everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was,
1: yeah, uh, day one, yes, day one, day it one, kind of I, shouted at, I shouted at Brian Dean, you we talked about this, shouted at Brian Dean. Yeah,
0: it was-ish, because we had to record it did twice, so. as well, didn't we? Um, that's, sorry? We had to record it twice as well, so it was kind of-ish.
1: Yes, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It was I'm still there. Uh,
0: behind the curtain type thing. Um, and we're joined tonight by two guests um, who have written a brand new book, a sequel, nonetheless, a sequel we hope is much better than Lockdown 2. Um, I assure you, it definitely is. Um, we'll talk about the book in a minute, but firstly, welcome to the show, John Smith. How are you doing, John?
2: Yeah, good, thank you. Hello, nice, nice to be here. Thanks very
0: much. Oh, us. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's always good to have a new voice, and we'll talk teams in just a second, especially with his partner in crime, Dan Trelfer, as well, because... He supports a team close to my heart, don't you, Dan?
3: Right, yeah, QPR fan, non-stop, <laughs> non-stop joy
0: for okay, us, we'll isn't it? We'll go there in a minute and bore um, the everyone about Trevor Simples' <laughs> bowl and everything else that's great in the, in the 1990s. And we'll definitely, definitely talk about the book. Obviously, that's why we're here and a few stories from it and stuff. Um, let me just give the first plug of the episode, though. It's called Second Yellow, The Further Adventures of Our Football Heroes. Um, if you're not already the first one, which is called Booked, then yeah, definitely check that out. But again, we'll go into it in just a sec. But that's, um, let's get into our well last episode, when the first episode of what I like to call the new series. We started a new thing with um, Sam Homewood of MUTV, which you haven't listened to, check it out, where we did our 90s, which is slightly a longer version of our classic 90s CV. But I'm going to go back to that just for today's show because he's a new guest and we like to get into a little flavour of their fandom so we're going to bring back the old ninety cd so john you're a west ham supporter um so i am you... i'm afraid i am yeah yeah it's all right yes yeah, no <laughs> <laughs> i mean joe is very outnumbered today by uh, by landing so uh, very landing <laughs> it?
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I, I say we've got what we're about four minutes in and you haven't i mean two qpr fans nobody's mentioned qpr five middlesbrough nil yet
0: I would get. would get there. It's on. It's literally on my. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> totally, yeah. Literally on and my and the day when uh, I tell this story all the time on here, but the day that uh, Middlesbrough went to West Ham and Gary Walsh came on with his shorts on backwards and we got yeah. beat you nil. Know. So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How nice is that? Just wearing shorts backwards. Yeah. You no, know, I love that era. I love yeah. it. Um, I also love that five nil. Mark Kennedy at his uh, what was it, five games still at QPR. That nah, he's finest that night. Absolutely. Oh, he
3: was incredible, wasn't he? Yeah. The that. best loan signing we ever had, I think.
0: Always oh, up there. He's definitely up there. He was mm. incredible for that period. Um, so, yeah, John, West Ham, we asked you these questions in advance. So, what would you say is your 90s West Ham player?
2: My favourite of the 90s, I feel I feel like I'm slightly cheating on Frank McIverney, but he only, um, he'd only. he be my 80s he's, and yeah, then like, hung over yeah. into the 90s. But, uh, and, <laughs> he, so. and his farewell was spectacular in 92, but I'd have to say Ian Bishop. Uh, above all, Ian Bishop loved him at West Ham. Just yeah. such a,
0: again, just elegant a very '90s player as well. I mean, not not talking about the yeah. Barnett but kind of a, a maverick, but also had a little, little bite to him, didn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah, you could put it in. There's a lovely picture of him um, with his with his hands around Roy Keane's throat at one. And there's not many, <laughs> there's not many people who got away with that.
0: Yeah, but, no um, many people live to but tell yeah, tale.
2: just a, a lovely, elegant passing midfielder, Ian yeah. Bishop.
0: No, Might he's, be he's been on the show. Um, oh, God, that's going back quite a long he's way. He's got some
3: stories as well, hasn't he? He's yeah, got, some got some stories to tell. To yeah, he's great. Um, Smithy's desperate for him to bring out his autobiography, actually. Yeah. Oh,
0: that'd be, <laughs> oh, great. I'd love, that'd be a yeah. read. That'd definitely love be, it. You could do a whole third book on his autobiography, I'd imagine.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I sort of think that's the, that's the key to it. I think if, you've, if you're popular with two sets of fans, I think you're set up to release a to release yeah. a book, and Ian Bishop is sort of you know equally loved at West Ham and Man City. It's true, and, yeah. Um, I think he, I think he'd have it cracked if he did that.
0: Yeah, it's talking about that, and, and obviously we're we'll talking very much about players revealing stuff. I um, cheap plug for the for West Twelve Productions who produced this podcast. Their QPR latest episode podcast. I don't know Dan if you've listened to it yet with Nedda Manua
3: Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, it's great. Absolute yeah.
0: insight into Joey Barton and what I mean. <laughs> yeah, he literally does not sit on any fence, and it's refreshing. It's eye-opening in some parts as well so even if you're not a QPR fan I urge you to, to listen to that because just to hear the stories that Nedham comes out with I think he's going to make a great pundit um, yeah
3: he will he's brilliant he's brilliant isn't he his Ned, podcast Ned. his voice is just incredible he's got smooth. the most oh, lovely voice I think <laughs> I've
0: yeah he's very very smooth It's very very smooth um, outside of West Ham then um, John who would be your, your 90s player if you had to choose someone outside of uh, Upton Park as it was then I think,
2: yeah, I think outside of West Ham, it would probably, and you know, all present views aside, it would probably be Latissier. I think. Yeah. Um, I was at, I was at uni in Southampton in the in the mid nineties, so there was a lot of uh, very positive Matt Latissier graffiti up all over the place, and um, yeah, just just joyful. I think I'm I'm drawn to those players who are, you know, no disrespect to Southampton, we've had a few players like it as well, but better than the club. Yeah. You, know what I mean? you, know, you know when you've got a footballer and you, and you look around at your club and you think, like we had it a few years ago with Payet, and you look around and you think, well, he shouldn't be here. There's been some sort of mistake. Yeah. He, he, he shouldn't be here. And, you know, probably like King Cladsey in the 90s at Man City and probably Giannino uh, 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 right as well. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah, so I'm sort of naturally drawn to those players who are lovely to watch and are dragging the team
0: along. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at Joel's face, and I could see the word Juninho flashing. Yeah, and you actually, it was It's it it never far never it. away, is it? Exactly, it's
2: never. It's yeah. The two go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah, so I'd have to say Leticia I think just yeah. you know that mid nineties period when he's running goal of the season on his own. Yeah, guns
1: just remembering when Juninho tore them tore West Ham apart for one. I think at our place in about nineteen ninety six. one of his one of his first games where he was very very very
0: good. Yeah. After yeah, that Elias and Bingo, <laughs> is your first line. That's it. We're gone. We're either now. See ya. The might be. Joe, have we ever done an episode without mentioning him? Genuinely, I don't think we have.
1: I think I think there might have been one, one
0: that's Yeah, it's fair. It's fair enough. He's brilliant. Um, okay, cool. That's um, that's going to the other side of London. I should say, um, West London. The only team in West London, I might add, as well. Um, Dan, this I'm going to be intrigued by this. Um, people who live, live long time listening to the show know my answer to this question because I've said it. Um, but your favourite QPR player in the nineties? Uh,
3: it's I mean I, I I was texting with John about this before we came on, and um, it's really it's really hard that because it was a good well first half of the yeah. decade was was good. <laughs> Second half it just kept going down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I love I love Les Ferdinand oh, and. Uh, Trevor Sinclair and Ray Wilkins and Kevin Gallen. He's almost exactly the same age as me. So he always had a special place in my heart. But really, for the 90s, my favourite player was Danny Maddox. I really loved Danny Maddox. (laughs) I I don't think most fans outside of QPR probably remember Danny Maddox very well. But I absolutely loved him. He's a great player. And there's so many lovely things about Danny Maddox because he, everyone laughs about Glenn Hoddle and Eileen Drury, but Danny Maddox was injured for something like two years before yeah. he went to see Eileen Drury. And then he played the rest of his career after he, she'd sorted him out without really many injury problems at all. So when people are nasty about Glenn Hoddle and Eileen Drury, I'm like, well, she fixed Danny Maddox. So. <laughs>
1: hold
4: on, hold on, hold on. You, know I
3: mean?
1: you are horrible about Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: New bloody book, <laughs> yeah. We might, <laughs> might, have, might have a bit of a dig at Glenn. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Yeah, I you know, Danny Maddox is a very, I think, cult heroes. Um, yeah. i so about Hoddle. I remember a, HODL, a headline that he said at the time. I think we were in the chat, what would have been first division at the time after we'd gone down. I think I, I might be remembering this wrong, but I'm sure there was an uh, article in the newspaper that Hoddle called Danny Maddox one of the best man markers, yeah. Yeah,
3: that's what I used to say. I mean, that's what Rangers used to do, didn't they? Play, yeah. Whenever they played someone with a particularly good striker, it was just like, we'll just play Danny and Illman Man Markham. Yeah. Yeah, he was. But, I, I mean, I have got a little uh, slightly odd Danny Maddock story. Um, I worked on Al Murray's Happy Hour, the chat show on ITV right, years yeah. ago. And uh, one of my jobs was I would have to kind of chaperone one of the guests each week. And one week I got Dale Winton. And uh,
0: where is was, this going? He was really
3: <laughs> hold on, hold on
1: though. Dale Winton is a stalwart yeah. of nineties music because not only is he in, is he, He's in a sleeper video, and he turns up in train spotting. So nineties music icon Dale Winton for you. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
3: And yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, he he. When he, um, when he turned he... up,
2: was Danny Maddox man marking him? <laughs> <laughs>
0: We, I
3: don't know how we got. I don't no,
2: know I didn't that. mean like
0: that. I didn't mean like that. I mean, <laughs> we've gone down a rabbit hole. Right, carry on, Dan. <laughs> I don't
3: know how we got onto this subject, but he was, he was, he was. I couldn't believe how nice he was, Dale. It was really lovely, and we somehow we got onto football. God knows how. I might have asked him whether it was true that he was best mates with Graham Souness which is the thing that sort of fact about Dale Winter that I've often heard. <laughs> I hope so. And yeah, it's a very odd uh, friendship that one, if it's true, (laughs) or unexpected, I'd say. Yes. Um, Anyway, so we talked about that, and he said, um, and he must say who you support. I said QPR. He said, oh, you have a player there. Uh, He's a black player, Borgs, Danny. And I said, Danny Maddox. Yeah, yeah, he's my favourite player. He said, he's a very attractive man. Said, he really? said I saw him. He drives a cab now, doesn't he? I said, Yeah, I think he does. I said yeah, I saw him. Yeah, he's lovely. Oh yeah. Really very like a very handsome man, Danny Maddox.
0: Wow. So <laughs> winning big fan. There you go. That's that's a gr- that's a great He's game. like a
1: supermarket sweeper. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah, very, very, very lovely. Nice. Nice. Good night, everyone. Good night, okay, everyone. Thanks, everyone. That was good. We <laughs> can't get better than don't, don't, don't that. Oh, but he was a good looking. I'll give him. I'll give Dale that. He was a good looking. Yeah, is probably. I'm seen for a while, but yeah, he yeah. was talking about unusual friendship. There's the one that I always love as well. I don't know if you guys are aware of this that Mick Hucknall and Pele are really good
3: mates. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, I found wow. this out. I was at an
0: an awards do. Can't even remember what it was for. Some maybe a PFA thing or a football rights thing a few years ago, and he was the he was the guest to sing. Although well, they always have someone. Well, Pele. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been happening. a mix-up. Oh, I remember 2014 because yeah, definitely been a mix-up. I think it was in 2014. Was like, well, I got married that year, and our uh, first dance song is a Simply Red song. um So I was like, oh, I might see if they come and sing it. Like ha ha ha. So I think it was that year but he was there and around the table that everyone was in agreement like it was you know as everyone knew as, as well as tomorrow was Saturday or whatever the day was but him and Pele not just friends I can't remember which way around it but one of them is godfather to the other one's child wow no way. well doesn't
1: Pele suffer with erectile dysfunction so, so it was probably that way. Way. yeah it's probably that way yeah but then good, I was like yeah.
0: did he have a kid with Marty McCutcheon does this get more 90s I don't know I couldn't say <laughs> that like, my head was my head was so blown at that point that I couldn't quite work out but yeah I don't know if that's true but everyone around that table that night was just swear blind that was the truth and I went home going I mean let, let,
2: let's say true. it is it's brilliant that's, yeah I've
0: got to have had in lockdown together I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> that would be good um, we've got completely off subject but I love it um, yeah. I want to talk more about QPR but obviously I can't um, and we have, I have to say two words because it's a 90s nice podcast Roy Wagerley that's all I'm going to say um, yep ...who I spoke to recently, which I'm not allowed to really oh, talk wow. about. Um, wow. I interviewed him, but he... Uh, well, I say interviewed him. I managed to track him down and speak to him. Um, at the moment, he's reluctant to let that air to any outlet... ...but we're talking about it, but I was giddy for at
1: been Ash has been stalking Roy Wiggily. Oh, yeah, like, yeah How yeah. long have we been doing this now? Six years or something? And even before that,
0: to be honest. <laughs> 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 it's been
1: his spare time. And also... Isn't a kid, he a really good golfer now?
0: He was. He's now coaching in Miami, but yeah, he went okay. to try and be a golfer at some point. We did talk about that. But I think not not because he's my favorite player, but also as Dan will know, and, and anyone who's who's Weggies played for in teams, I've never ever heard him talk about it. Like I've never seen an interview with in him. No, it's or, true. No, it's true. And yeah. he's held in such high regard, especially at his Road, number ten shirt, one of the you know the Mavericks again. But yeah, I managed to speak to him. It was I was giddy. Like, I came in and my wife was like, I haven't seen you smile since that since our wedding day. Um, so. <laughs> It was very... I didn't tell her it was a better day, but... Uh, yeah. 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 Now she's
1: <laughs> got two children, by the way,
0: so... yeah we <laughs> yeah, exactly. forgot about that night. We're be then as well. Love you, girls. Um, anyway, outside the office road, Dan, who, who are you plucking for?
3: Oh, I mean, that's a, such a hard question because I don't really like anyone that hasn't played for QPR. <laughs> um a few I don't
0: like that have, to be honest.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've... When you said it to Smithy, that uh, Latissier is the is the first person that popped into my head because I did love him in the in the nineties, and we did um, I think we had yeah, a bit bit in the first book where we talked about him and we said how just every fan loved Latissier. He's sort of a bit like I suppose Peter Crouch was is a sort of more modern day version of just yeah. fans mm-hmm. of all clubs mm-hmm. like it like him. You know, just you know, there's but no whereas that.
1: whereas Letizia only played for one club. Peter Crouch seems to have played
3: yeah. For one. <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah. He still manages name. to be popular. yeah. And he's QPR's own. He'll, he'll always be ours. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but, you know, have. it's an, another example. You know, it's quite, I can't, I, you know, actually, you, you mentioned him again, but um, earlier, Janino, I suppose, was, was someone I'd love yeah. to watch in the 90s, for sure. I mean, it was that was just, I still remember the day he signed for Middlesbrough the first time, because I remember the independent newspaper had done this massive spread about how, Uh, Brian Robson managed to get him to to come over and sign I don't think people realise how insane that signing was at the time I mean it was it was absolutely ridiculous that any club in England not just not just Middlesbrough but like even if Man United or Liverpool or someone had signed it would have been an incredible signing Um, it would be you know like a I don't know like Sunderland's Ten years ago, signing Neymar wouldn't it? That's that's the level yeah. it was at at the time. Incredible signing. Yeah.
1: So it yeah, was... He, was, he was amazing, wasn't it? Go on, Joe. Yeah, I mean we t- we talked about this before, but it was Middlesbrough and Arsenal were the front runners, and Robson and Keith Lamb, the chief exec at the time, were the only ones to bother going to Brazil to go and meet him and meet the family and all that. And it turned out the personal touch was what made it happen. And I think with a lot more starry players than. Janino, it wouldn't have happened, he would have just gone to Arsenal and that would have been that. But because they put the effort in and they met the family, and and Janino is like that as a bloke, then that was how it came around, really.
0: Yeah, he did an interview. I meant to text you this when I was reading it, Joe. He did an interview in the last month's 442. I mean, it's probably everything you've read previously because I didn't really yeah. feel like I learned anything new myself, but he goes into all that as well does it
1: mention Stan Boardman being on the bus at the FA Cup final of 1997
0: <laughs> it doesn't unless you've listened to the Alive and Kicking 90s football podcast where it may have been mentioned yes yeah <laughs> um, but yeah well good choices there um, John something I didn't mention and something I've probably never forgiven West Ham for is signing Trevor Sinclair and giving us Pete Rowland and Ian Dowie it was like France. yeah it was well £2.50 no, two, two,
2: two and all the fluff in our pocket wasn't it <laughs> basically it was incredible we were talking about it earlier I, how me and Dan have managed to stay friends uh, I don't know it comes up quite a lot um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, Keith, yeah Keith Rowland and Ian Dowey were not um, how shall we say not players we wanted Yeah, and we got Trevor Sinclair I couldn't believe it it was, yeah. it was such an exciting signing I, I always think with West Ham, there's not there's not many players you can hang your hat on that we've bought, had their best years, and then sold. And I would I would put Sinclair as one, maybe Scott Parker as another. Yeah. There's not there's really not many, but yeah, um, Trevor Sinclair. I couldn't believe I luck when we signed Trevor Sinclair. Yeah.
3: That was it. Was definitely one of the worst transfer deals, not just for QPR, for any club in not just in the nineties
4: in the history
1: of
0: football. <laughs> These <laughs> are bold words. Bold I mean,
3: word. it really was. He was a £10 million player. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, Tim Breaker as well, I forgot to mention. We had, to, we got, he wasn't that, he was of the, of the three, probably the most mediocre at best, but. Yeah. Was he, yeah, was he, he part okay of the same too. deal or
2: did I he come after? he came after. Deal, he? No, I think, no, he, I think, think he came along slightly
0: after. after. Like, oh. Yeah, definitely rolling down. I mean, you know, Daryl was long past his best at that point and, yeah, Kim Rowland. At least Dowie. Dowie
3: did a nice bit of coaching
0: for us. Yeah, until Breezewell. Uh,
3: actually, well, I can't choose him because he played for QPR, but that, I mean, I love Dowie as a... Um, not particularly as a player, just seems like a very nice man. Yeah, no, I've, yeah, I've, I've seen him dance,
0: actually. and uh, <laughs> uh, that, that <laughs> said, It could have been that said... um we we'll just do, actually. Uh, the Arsenal oh. thing. He was, he was there. He was one of the last there. I had to get a train home, but he was... He was well, he was murder on the dance floor, but in a nice way.
1: <laughs> my dad too, uh, who doesn't really he follows a bit of the football but not much but still whenever Ian Dowie, Dowie is mentioned he says the hills have eyes and that's the end of the conversation I always think it's hard he's got
0: that it's not I, as bad as his own goal he scored was it against Stockport John? Stockport that the goal away? away
2: yeah do you know what that was, um, that was the very first West Ham game that um, I made my then girlfriend now wife um, <laughs> watch with me <laughs> uh, West Ham away at Stockport in the League Cup on Sky. So was that and when we Sky. got
1: to the final? We when Borough yeah. beat them in the final. Yeah, yeah.
2: that's right. Yeah, thanks in for that, semi. Yeah, yeah. So was, <laughs> that, I think
1: I think it was a quarter final, and it was an yeah, odd game. That, that was
2: that was the game um, that Florian Radichoi didn't travel up for. Right, where yeah. the, that Harry Redknapp claimed he was taking his family shopping in Harvey Nichols instead, <laughs> and uh, so they went up to Stockport. Without him, and yeah, Dowie had a shocker because not only did he score one of the best own goals you've ever seen, he broke his ankle up the other leg. Uh, up oh, the nice. other end as well. Mm. Uh, clean for on goal, clean through on goal, and he just kicks the ground and um, <laughs> and, and broke his ankle. He had a terrible, terrible night. <laughs> yeah, so thank, uh, thanks for bringing that up.
0: Sorry, yeah, well I had to. <laughs> that's, that's, that's because Roland and Dowie Yeah, yeah,
2: but generally I, generally, I have got time for Ian Dowie at West Ham. You know, he was he was a trier and he. Worked hard and he he's probably one of those that other people enjoyed playing with. Um, you know, how sort of Rooney or Owen would always big up playing with Emel Heskey. Yeah, but
0: yeah. I think,
2: uh, I think there's a bit of that with Dowie. Like I, I imagine Tony Cotty enjoyed playing with him and yeah. Um, yeah one or two others. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was a real workhorse.
0: I think I didn't mind rolling the Dowie as much at QPR because they played in that, the kit that season, which I love, and that team because I think Age wise, you know, when you reach a peak when nothing, when everything in your world is football, before goals, before drink, I think that 98, 99 team was just on the cusp before I, you know, things started to not matter as much as they did then. <laughs> so players like that, I've got a big affinity with Rob Steiner, who Dan will know, who will know that yeah. probably could have gone on if he weren't for injury, but yeah, they're, they're not well, when they do worst 11s, Roland and Dowie, unfortunately, tend to, to get a nod. But yeah. I promise not to talk too much about QPR. So. We, haven't even <laughs> year, we haven't even mentioned the year's Day 1992, and Trevor Sinclair against Burnley, no. And, you know, we could. No, exactly. Was I was not... there for the <laughs> overhead kick as well. Yeah, me too. I, I yeah. genuinely oh. was. I know
3: everyone says they were, but I definitely was. No, Whereabouts? Where
2: what was your angle on
3: that goal? I was at the other end, behind the, behind the other goal. But all I remember is that it went in, and then I, I was about... I used to say about 15 rows back and it went in and then the, my next memory is being right at the front <laughs> thing. I, I, I don't think I've ever reacted to a goal in, in the same way in my it's life incredible. I was at Elsley
0: Road which is in the corner so Dan would have been at the other end I was slightly mm. to the left of him and I, I I don't know if I made it up but there always looked it to be like a slight second when that goal went in where I went yeah. like, holy hell Did he? Just, yeah. I think he just did um, yeah, yeah. It beat Beckham to goal of the season. End of that's all. Exactly. My yeah, also, my
1: favourite non-Burra goal of the nineteen yeah, nineties. Oh, absolutely! Well. Yeah. It's
2: incredible. It's a shame. It's one of those. It's a shame. You know, if he did it now, there'd be fourteen yeah. different angles on. Yeah. it. Whereas I mean, it's it, just, just also that, one. that
3: day was that day was incredible because not only did that happen, but Andy Impey uh, <laughs> yeah. punched someone in the face and got sent off. <laughs> <laughs> we still won three-two, and. Yeah. Uh, I had a quid on three two for some
1: reason at twenty five to one. Hey, oh, that's you're you're the real winner, then. We have the real we winner. To, hold on, I'll give you I'll give you the Northern line now. <laughs> <laughs> See, that'll get you that'll get you on our fight in that London, lads. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Weird, Andy MP. And always seemed such a nice guy, but he had a little temper on him. That boy. Gents, um, let's, yeah. yeah, let's talk about the books. Um, give a little summary because obviously this, as we said, this is the second, it's the sequel. Um, John, how did it? how did the first one come about and just give people who don't are not aware of the books a flavor of what they are about?
2: So what they are basically, we, we've now read 250 plus football autobiographies. Um, well done. And man. the idea is, thank <laughs> you. And the idea is that we've sort of pulled the best stories, um, but it's not just a compendium of the best stories we've sort of written around them. we put, we've put them into chapters and we worked out. So sort of what makes them tick? What ties them together? The similarities, um, different versions of the same story, uh, and that kind of thing. And we've sort of so it's sort of our love letter to football autobiographies, and uh, there's so many football autobiographies, and it's mm. such a long love letter that it's spilled over into two books. But it came it came about because I saw I came across Kevin Drinkles' autobiography, um, okay. the delightfully called Drinks All Round. In um in in a pound shop and and I bought it for a mate a Norwich fan, uh my mate Matt and while in the sort of few weeks before I saw him, I thought oh well I'll I'll flick through that I'll I'll, I'll read it, and I read it and it's not tremendously exciting, uh and then in the middle of it he talks about a Christmas party where a fancy dress party, where Kevin played it safe and went as a snooker player, um but Dal Gordon turned up as a tampon. <laughs>
0: Before,
2: yeah, just you can imagine what that looked like. But Dal, but Dale Dal Gordon I turned up as a tampon, you. and I was reading it, and I just went, "What? Why? Why have I never heard this? Why don't Why don't more people know about this? Yeah. Nobody Nobody needs to read the rest of this book. They just need to know about that. And it sort of sowed a, a seed of an idea. And I read a couple more, and, and w- with that in mind, and then went to Dan and asked what he thought of it and he loved it and was just um on board with it straight away so we read sort of about 10 or 12 um just to see if it was enough of an idea and then started pitching it around and um yeah we got really lucky pitch publishing um uh, went for it as an idea uh, quite quickly and it just
1: so it's just snowballed from now we've had well, lots of fun with people from pitch publishing haven't we they, they are like the go-to's for You know, if you've got a good idea about something that's going to sell a decent amount to, even if it's you know, like you said before about if Ian Bishop wrote his book, then you know, loads of West Ham and loads of uh, City fans are going to buy it. It it, it seems the same with Pitch. The same like if it's a if it's a reasonable idea, then it's gonna they're going to take it and it's going to do well.
2: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, they've got a lot of good stuff out at the
3: moment. I think that's their sort of their idea because I think there was a time before when they were starting up that. Sports book publishing was at, was shrinking quite a lot, and, and you know there's only a, a couple of companies still doing it, and they were only, they were only so well, it's not worth it unless it's David Beckham's book or something. Mm. so their sort of theory was there's loads of niche ideas, but there's enough people who will buy those niche ideas to make them into books to make it worthwhile so, so yeah they, I mean
0: they, they do you
2: know i don't know how many they do a year but it's quite a yeah lot. well they've got 35
0: out at the moment haven't they? They yeah put, uh, it's great to see put, uh, yeah yeah it's, i always think because i mean i my Life and kicking book which is where this spawned from this podcast came out through history press and uh, who were very good as well but i i've spoke to pitch before about some other ideas and you always wonder is there something they haven't done and they just keep finding authors and themes and books and it's it's great to see because i'm you know we live in an age where books aren't as Prevalent as they were, you know, ten, fifteen years ago. But I'm still one that picks up a magazine, picks up a book, and loves it. And loved the idea behind yours because what I love about it, and I know it's an obvious thing to say, is that I like football autobiographies. But there's a lot of fluff, isn't there? Especially yeah, in the in the sort of early bits of them as well. i you know the upbringing I tend to be like zoning out on. Well, you, Hurry up and you, get famous. Yeah, exactly. You want the juice. That's why you buy an autobiography, isn't it? It's like there are, there's many I've read that don't even give you that, and you kind of put it down and think, what did I learn, other than you enjoyed being in that match and that and play with that player, which you kind <laughs> yeah. of already know. Um, but you've got... To... I mean, but there's not,
1: there's, it's very rare that... I mean, the famous one is, you know, Yap Starm's autobiography got it yeah. booted out of Manchester United because... The book revealed that much, and it turned out that nobody inside Manchester United had read the bloody book before it got serialised in. I think it was The Mirror. Mm. Yeah, so, he talked about, he you know, talks about it's, being
2: it's, tapped up, didn't he? Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: The, the funny thing is, I, I read that for this second one. I didn't read it at the time. And I was—I thought, oh, I was really looking forward to it. I thought, this is going to be really exciting. <laughs> and it's a, its its like, it's not. There aren't... Yeah. I swear to you, there are no revelations in that book. Yeah. They, might, they must have felt like there were revelations at the time, but they're not. They're really not. It's just like people, you know, some of the lads thought Gary Neville was a bit of a nerd. You know, it's just sure. stuff like that. And yeah. the, and the United, It's because he did it while he was still playing, but there's not actually anything really bad in there. You know, it's, it feels quite tame now, which is quite interesting compared to what players come up with once they've retired or... Mm. You
1: know, whatever. Some of the stuff yeah. but, um, is just. Yeah. Some of the stuff in your book has just had me really. I mean, like you said, it is the sort of greatest hits of all the. That, yeah, that's what fo- I was call it,
0: football football
1: right? autobiographies that you should ever want to read. But it is the funny, strange, weird stuff that sometimes you might scan, scan over, or or, or not even think about. I mean, I mean, I, I've just written down fighting, romance, barmaids, hair on fire, <laughs> blood, <laughs> yeah. gloves. I mean, and these, are, and you're laughing because you, you know the stories, but some—I mean, some of these things are absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, music's a big one, isn't it? I always, I still always laugh that Alan Shearer's favourite song is uh, Rod Stewart's "Sailing," and you read Rod Stewart's book.
2: Yes, th- well, he come up so much for the, for the first book. Rod Stewart is just everybody's go-to. You know, it was a cliche. like early forms of this this idea we were talking about. Sort of maybe making it like a, a kind of like an annual, like a retro annual. Oh, okay, yeah. Um. You know, and and sort of mopping up all those, uh, one-on-one profiles that you that you used to get. You know, favorite dinner, favorite, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love favorite it. music yeah. and all that. And uh, you know, it was a bit of an idea, a cliche that it was all uh, favorite singers, Rod Stewart and Dinah Ross. Every <laughs> every interview you read in the eighties, Rod Stewart, Dinah Ross, Rod Stewart, Dina Ross, Phil Collins, and um, hey, and TV that really. Don't came mind out. yes yeah uh, yeah Yeah. Yeah, steak and chips and it was all and it was all the same but yeah the music and so many of them mentioned rod stewart and met rod stewart as well uh there was a chapter in the first book that we did on celebrity and we kind of ranked uh, we we had a top three um of the most recurring celebrities and rod stewart was number one elton john was number two and even i mean that's that's cheating slightly because he because he owned watford yeah, uh, and Freddie Starr was number three because just, <laughs> Freddie Starr <laughs> just seems to just 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 turned up at football clubs and, and seemed to be indulged, just welcomed onto the <laughs> training ground you know, or on on the bus. But um, dressed as yeah, wasn't
1: he on up, one of them? 1983,
2: wasn't he on the bus in the? Was he on the Watford bus in 90, the eighty three? Yeah, yeah eighty four. Eighty four. He was eighty four. He was on. He was on the Everton one. Um, ah, okay. Because I, I think. 'cause they had Michael Barrymore representing Watford for that. Oh okay. And he did that he what? did that very he did a <laughs> yeah, he did a he did a really dodgy skit as John Barnes, which I'm sure oh, you can imagine. Okay, yeah. right,
1: yeah. Okay. And it, it
2: occasionally crops up on YouTube and then disappears again yeah, quite quickly. Does, but yeah. if you if uh, you catch it if you catch it, it's it's shocking and worth a look. But yeah um he got, he got yeah. on the
3: bench, didn't he? Funny star in Freddy Star
0: did, yeah. In the League Cup final, was it uh, League Cup yeah. final? Yeah, I that. yeah, yeah, I remember that. I can, I've seen that. It's just the yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm
3: getting right the, there idea the whole that... time just behind Laurie
0: McMenamy. <laughs> <this is> <laughs> <world. laughs> <World match. laughs> yes, I didn't think I, when we started this podcast today we'd be talking about Michael Barron with Dalwin, and and Frank Star. No, it's no. Amazing. this is why <laughs> I, I, love this show. I, love show. I love this. I love this show. Love this
2: year. Um, but yeah, we read. Uh, I read Rod Stewart's and. um they come out. Do you remember Gary Cook, the uh, the former Man City? Yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think he's in charge at USC or something now.
2: Is he? Yeah, I think so. Well, something like that. Yeah. He's singing uh, backing vocals on "River of My Heart" by Roger Stewart. <laughs> 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 which which I didn't expect to read.
0: And um,
2: there was that, and then the other revelation was that um, Roger was asked to be in "Escape to Victory." Oh, Oh, that's good. Roger Stewart Stewart was approached to be an escape to victory. I don't know. He doesn't go further than that. He says he couldn't do it because of touring commitments or or whatever. But um, yeah, who he would have played, I'm not sure. But (laughs) he he regretted it now.
0: I'm I'm trying to think, like, in 20 years' time, when if someone, you know, templated your idea and the celebrities that they would be now, it'd be like Drake, Katie Price, (laughs) you know, it'd be like. (laughs) It's such a different. I'm trying to think because I do that kind of quick fire stuff for, for kick, the, the my in my day job, and Drake and Stormzy, are the you know the music choices. Usually, I mean, it's, a, it's a, mm. definitely an era on from Phil Collins and Rod Stewart, isn't it? I mean, I could. I, have,
1: lo- I have lots. Having worked with Katie Price for quite a long time, I have a lot of football stories concerning her, but none that can be repeated <laughs> on <don't>? yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On
0: this show It's definitely not for her. Uh, for advisory, I would imagine, and I don't want to be sued. Um, so <laughs> thank you very much.
1: Um, <laughs> I want you. You mentioned Matthew Letitia there and his book, and I've never read it, but it just sounds like a nightmare. I mean, we, you alluded to John. You alluded to his views earlier on, which I think has possibly seen his exit from Soccer Saturday mm-hmm. sooner than it would have yeah. done normally. Yeah. Um, Letitia's book just sounds like horrible Baxter Wall lads, Baxter Wall that kind of. There's a. There
2: is a lot of that. Yeah, we were talking about that. You know, it was probably nobody thought anything of it at the time but it's you know it's maybe a glimpse of, of, of where he's gone it's like everything is like where he goes to a
4: Shania he goes Twain. See, yeah, yeah. He goes to
2: see Shania. Twain. him and John Beresford go to go to see Shania Twain, <laughs> and um and he's worried that the barmaid didn't is going to think that they're a gay couple because they're going to see Shania
3: Twain. And they order a Malibu and Coke. Yeah, Malibu and Coke. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Oh, well, and in he, that and case, he's,
2: yeah. And he says the same about take that as well. We went you know, to take that, and he and he
1: again he's worried that he's the oh, only straight wow. man in the place Yeah, yes. really strange yeah. yeah. so yeah it's um, just incredible with Letitia. but also I was thinking about have you ever listened to Gary Lineker's Desert Island Discs from 1990 <laughs> it's very boring no. No. It's, if you go to if you go bbc.co.uk go to Gary Lineker's Desert Island Discs it's all these records it's you know Simply Red Ash's First Dance it's <laughs> Anyway, it's all these incredible things. And Gary Lineker, considering the Gary Lineker that we know now, is sort of bane and funny and, and sort of quite happy to take the piss out of people on Twitter all day long he's safe for doing so. But on this Desert Island discs, he is Mr. Footballer. He is. Oh, we had a laugh with the England lads and oh we did this and we you know we used to do horse racing with each other and we'd fix it. So Peter Shilton lost all his money. It's all that sort of yeah. really banal yeah. nothing. And his music taste is Diabolical, and I'd love to. I'd love for him to do it again, so you could like see the contrast. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it's a, it's a really funny listen, and I think he sort of really admits that it's just comically embarrassing, just how sort of blinkered he was in his world. I think oh, his Gary. friendship with Willie was oh,
0: like another weird, unlikely. I mean, if Willie thornton has gone last year. The ma-
2: yeah, that must have been Leicester Mafia, mustn't they? Yeah, yeah that's what he yeah, was. He was, he was, he was it, da, call yeah, D- David Gower, <laughs> Willie Paul and Gary Lineker, the Leicester, Leicester Mafia.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, we'll have more stories from the guys' books on the other side of this interview. Yes, we have got a brand new interview for you from a footballer of the era that we'd celebrate so much. Uh, I got to speak to former Blackburn and Nottingham Forest midfielder Lars Bohinan a couple of weeks ago. So here's me chatting to him on a Live and Kick Joining me on the line now, a, a familiar face to us here in Premier League land of the 90s. Uh, he played for Nottingham Forest, Blackburn, and Derby. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, Lars Behenan. Welcome, Lars. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, as we always do here on the show, let's take you back to the 1990s. Um, I think for um, sort of listeners to our show, majority from the UK, you first came to our, to our notice during the, the World Cup qualifying campaign and that game against uh, England in 1993 what what are your memories you scored in that game of course so what, what were your memories and and how and your career at that point
4: what were you feeling um, yeah you're right it was uh, in 1993 June 1993 we played England uh, beat England 2-0 uh, and uh, uh, won the qualification for, for going to the World Cup of course and uh, I think that Sam Clark the manager of Forest at the time was watching me uh, probably someone else as well, uh, playing that game and after the game, uh, the contact was made and, but the, the, the transfer itself wasn't made until I think it was November or something in 93. Um so that's, that's how, that's how that went. My career at that time was, I, I was, I was in Switzerland when I was 2021, 20, 22. I uh, and I came home for a year, and I actually played in Norway uh, at the time of the uh, international game. Uh, but I only spent one year back in Norway before I went to Forest.
0: Mm. Well, we'll talk about Forest in a second. But, but that Norway team was, was a bit of a surprise package, especially for those uh, watching England who were going through that transitional period. But a lot of those players, of course, went on to play in England, like Bjorn and Ivan Leonardson. How good! Was that collective of, of Norwegians at, at that time?
4: Uh, it, it was. We were,
0: uh, we were really good, to be honest.
4: Uh, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't have beaten Holland and England in the group. But uh, uh, it was. It was the start of a, quite a big generation. Uh, guys born, in, you know, from sixty-seven, sixty-eight, sixty-nine, and maybe also seventy. So it was a big generation which produced a lot of good footballers and. One of the reasons why why we became good is, is of course, that the, many of the players uh, were able to get clubs abroad and mainly in England. Mm, yeah.
0: so, so you moved to Nottingham Forest in, as you said, November 1993. What were your, were your first impressions of the clubs? At the time, they were in the what would have been then the First Division. They'd, they were on the promotion course at, the, at that point under Frank Clark. What, what were your impressions of the Forest? I imagine you'd heard of them from the European Cup days. Big history. How much did you know about the club, and what did you think of it at the time?
4: Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't know too much about it. I knew the history, and I knew that Brian Clough uh, had been the manager there. Um, but I could also read the table, and the table said it, they were 18th from the uh, or they were 18th placed in, in the league at the time, when they yeah. came in November. So it didn't look like it was going to get a promotional year. Uh, okay. But at the same time, I, you know, I felt that. that, that The club, for me, obviously, compared to Norwegian uh, conditions, was big. It was uh, completely different uh, than what I was used to, much more professional. And also the players that were there, with with Stan Moore, and Stuart Pearce and all the rest of those players, I knew that that team could manage better, but I didn't think that we'd get promoted.
0: Mm. There's some big characters in that team at the time, as you mentioned, too, there, especially Stuart Pearce. Cole Moore was was it a bit of a culture shock scene because we were kind of on the cusp of that sort of old-style English team going into the Premier League era was it quite a culture shock coming into to a big dressing room with some big characters at the time
4: Yeah well I'd been abroad in in Switzerland before so I knew uh, how that that professional world was like we did, we weren't really professional footballers in Norway at the time but all you want to do when you're at that age is to live um uh, by playing football so but it it was it's it's always tough when you come there alone and you're a foreigner and uh uh when you come as a foreigner, you have to perform and you ideally you have to perform a little bit better than the the english players um because that that pressure is going to be on you when you're a foreigner and so it's, it, it but it was it made it easier that we won the first game and we kept on winning, of course, so that made it a lot easier for me, the transition. And as you said, we, we got prom- they got
0: promoted that season. Do you remember the celebrations? Was that a good night once Norton Forest had a, uh, got promoted and it
4: was done and dusted? Uh, I, I just remembered a bit uh, on the pitch, and uh, I have a couple of pictures that uh, otherwise... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think I have forgotten that night. Not, uh, <laughs> not that I wanted to forget it, but uh, it was a, it was a long night. Yeah, <laughs> I bet, I bet. And the following
0: season, um, um, if people forget how good that Forest team, they finished third in the Premier League, which is the highest that a promoted team's uh, ever finished in the Premier League era. And you know, you added the likes of Brian Roy to the squad. Um, I really enjoyed watching that Forest team. What was it like to play in?
4: I was, you know, I think it all came together when when Brian came uh, and with a team that we already had. There wasn't too many people to going in and out, so we, we kept most of the team that got promoted. But we added some class and then somehow it, the team for me just gelled together. It was uh, a very well, well-balanced team with uh, different uh, skill sets and uh uh, and it was, there was speed in the team. There was attacking ability. Uh, there was uh, a good sort of training, uh culture, uh, and just a, you know a balanced team, I would say. And uh, we had quick wingers, uh, Ian Rowan, Steve Stone. Uh, so it was it was it was really enjoying to play. Obviously, again because we won games, but uh, it, it was just, it was a good put together team.
0: Mm, it was. I, I remember a goal that you scored. I think it was against Tottenham at White Hart Lane. A, a lovely chip. You, you had a kind of bonnet for a, for goals like that. Was that something that was came instinctive to you?
4: Well, yeah, yeah. I guess I did, I think I scored maybe ten or twelve goals in the Premier League over the years, but most of them. Uh, we were, were quite good. I uh, didn't score too much. I, sh- I probably should have scored more, but uh, but the goals that I scored, they uh, uh, well for me, it's easy to remember. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll see you around this time as well. Not only were you doing well at Forest, you went to the World Cup with Norway in the United States. One of my fav- probably my favourite World Cup, actually the '94 World Cup. What was it like to to play on the on the grandest stage of them all, if you like? And was that kind of the pinnacle of the career at Forest
4: and, and playing the World Cup? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, probably 93, 94, 95 was the best years uh, for me in my football. And coming to the World Cup, obviously, uh, big stadiums, big crowds. Uh, obviously, being the World Cup, uh, I remember it was really hot. We Mexico in the first game in Washington, and uh, it was uh, I don't know 35, 40 degrees in the in the shade. So. It was really tough, but we won that first game, and uh I think if i don't, if I don't remember wrongly, I think all four teams came on four points in that group in that group, but we still didn't qualify, yeah, I can remember rightly, yeah, it was that down to
0: lots I think at the time, wasn't it
4: yeah, it was, and uh and it's uh it's, it's bad way to go out, but we yeah. we didn't we didn't really manage to play our game to be honest, I think the heat has something to do with it uh but we never came up to the standards that we had in the qualifying. Mm. What was it like a World Cup in America? Because we,
0: at the time, you know, the US were kind of just getting back into making this new league and stuff. Was it a unique tournament because of the setting?
4: Uh, well, it's difficult for me to say because I haven't been in so many other World Cups. But so it was unique for me. But I think that. Uh, when you're there and you, you you're very protected as a team, you don't see much of things around you because you're always in the hotel compound and then you go to games. But when you went to the games like we went we went to the games in new york in in giant Stadium, it was we were playing Italy and it was seventy five thousand there mostly italians uh, and it, it you know the 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 atmosphere and the crowd and the the build up for the games was really special. I remember that. Mm-hmm. After Forrest, you moved on to Blackburn, of course, who at the
0: time were, were the reigning champions um, in the Premier League. What what set your move to lead Forest
4: to Blackburn, and why Blackburn at the time? Well, it's it's uh, for me, it's uh, two things. Um, because at the time, uh, Blackburn came into the picture. I asked whether you know Forrest were willing to sort of extend my contract and also make it a little bit better at the time. I think, I think. Uh, we in a little bit of financial trouble. They uh, sold, sold Collymore to Liverpool. I think for eight million pounds. But still, wasn't uh, able to sort of give me a better contract, even though uh, we've, we came in third in that in that year. And then, uh, as a footballer, you always the best possible team that you can at the highest possible level. And Blackburn, as you said, were champions. And so for me to be sort of attracted by uh, the champions uh, was a big deal to me. So I thought it was, from a footballing point of view, it was a step up. Uh, when I look back at it, it's hard to say I regret it, but the, the best time that I had in England was with Forrest. But I also knew that once Colmour left, and, and with Forrest not really being able to to uh, get another player in with that kind of uh, potential and scoring ability, then I knew we were going to to struggle as well with Forest, And uh, as, as that's what happened in the next season. I think Forrest got relegated? Yeah, or? yeah they did, yeah. So, yeah. so it's quite special going from promotion to third to get, uh, getting relegated in two years.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it kind of mirrored what happened to you at Plattman as well because of the following season, Shearer left as well and they didn't quite replace him, did they? What, what was, was Alan like to play with? We you know watching him, what a great goal scorer he was. What was he like providing
4: goals for Alan Shearer? I have, you know, it was uh, he was an outstanding finisher. I mean, I watched him in training, the way he, he practised after training sessions and uh, uh, it was just amazing how... He, he, he's, Skills in finishing and how, how he always was at the right place at the right time. But that's one thing, but he also had to finish it off. So for me, it it was the same. When, when Alan went, I think that a lot of the air in the club went out of the, out of the balloon. I think everybody knew it. I, I, I remember the disappointment in the dressing room when he announced that he was going to leave. So I only got to play with him for about nine months. Before he left and after that, it's the same thing that happened with Forrest, uh, such an important figure, Diffic- difficult to replace, but still, uh, neither Forrest nor Blackburn were able to do it and then consequently, uh, they were in trouble. Mm. Were, you, were you at the club
0: the night of the the backies the So incident in Europe? Was? Were you, would you arrive at Blackburn at that
4: point? I was in Blackburn, but I wasn't eligible to play in the in the ah. Champions League because I'd already played the European Cup first. So yeah. I was just watching it on television. <laughs> and it kind of mm. Is it was just one of those things, and was it all fine in training the next week? Uh, I think you know. Uh, I think that was frustration. Yeah. Uh, they know it better than me, but uh, it, there was uh, a little bit of a. So we were talking about it in the the dressing room uh, when they came back. Um, So it it wasn't put to rest completely uh, straight away, but uh, it can happen. But it shouldn't be happening. Yeah.
0: Uh, You moved on to Derby after that. I mean, it was only a quick spell at Derby. But do you have any sort of standout memories from your time there?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think we came we came seventh with Derby. I think I think that's the best placing that Derby had in the Premier League. Mm. Uh, so for 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 club and Derby's size that was uh, for me it was a really good uh performance to, to be able to do that. And I I played with some really good players there, Igor like Steamak and Stefano mm. and Baiano and Paulo Goncho. I you know, I had a great time with those players. Mm. Uh, so but it didn't well we couldn't expect the the, the club to Winning anything or be high up the table, but I really enjoyed the time there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we
0: must. Uh, we always ask questions to to guys we have on on the line as well. Um, who was the best player you played with um, in the nineties, both against and, and as a teammate?
4: Oof. I, I think it's difficult for me to, to distinguish between Collymore and Cher to be honest. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, 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 I would have to say Cher. Sure. You know, we score. He could score. 30 goals a season, and it was almost guaranteed. Um, Best players I've played against is also difficult, because towards the end of my time there, then the French World Cup stars started coming there. So, I don't know, maybe TDMV. Ruth Gullit was there. Uh, Didier Deschamps. And, you know, those those players came in. So, it's... It's difficult for me to say who was the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also gone into coaching since retiring and stuff, but what I wanted to ask you before we go, because I couldn't let this go, what our listeners might not know, that Lars Bohinen is a bit of a dancer. You were on Strictly Come Dancing, the Norwegian version. <laughs> I mean, we didn't expect to see you shaking
4: your hips. What was that like?
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was, it was special. Uh, it was kind of fun uh, and kind of nerve-wracking, but I had nothing to do at the time, so I just wanted to step out of the, my comfort zone and do something that I really knew I wouldn't be mastering. So. But I came in third, so it was a it was a good experience, but uh, I don't think I'll do it again.
0: <laughs> Who's the best dancer you come across? I've got a feeling that Chris Bart Williams had some moves back in the
4: day. <laughs> Uh yeah, but, uh, yeah, maybe
0: uh, him would, or, or maybe just little, he had some moves. So. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Just finally, just a word bringing back to modern day. Um, obviously, your team, that former teammate in Norway, Oleg Njursalska, he's having some sort of difficult times at the moment. What do you make of his spell as main United manager and and possible future in the job?
4: Uh, you know, I think he's, he... Coming in third last season was a, a great achievement, uh, and I think when I say that, I say that with, with that team because I don't. I think that uh, he he got the most out of the team that he had last season. Uh, what's difficult now, you can see, he has a clear line in what what he wants to do. The question is whether it's it's going to be enough, or, or that uh, the patience in the club is going to be there. Because uh, I watched the game obviously against Tottenham over the weekend, and and they deserve all the criticism they could get but he, he you know we have a clear plan it's just as he as everybody else is uh, depending on results, result and there's a limit to the uh, patience that I club can have so uh, he needs if he wants to build something and it needs to result at the same time it's difficult mm, brilliant well thank you very much for taking time to talk to us Lars it's been great looking back pleasure cheers thanks a lot pleasure cheers bye 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 bye
0: Thank you very much, Lars. Joe, you were just telling me in the break there, you've got a Lars Bohenan story. So yeah, I, I, I
1: cannot believe, well, it's not really a story. I just can't believe you brought it up, but um, uh, Lars Bohinan was the guest on Soccer Extra on Sky. It wasn't Soccer AM, on the morning that uh, Princess Diana was, uh, had died. So that was a very subdued edition of that. Week. <laughs>
0: did they not just scrap it and go to the news? Or no, they no, 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 it
1: was on. Russ Williams, I remember turning it on and it's Helen Chamberlain, Russ Williams and Lars Bohenan all sat there and I was like, oh are looking a bit miserable. What the bloody hell's going on here? (laughs) And then um, Helen Chamberlain goes, oh, and just in case you haven't heard the sad news that the Princess of Wales has been killed in a car accident. And I went, bloody hell, you're joking, aren't you? Like proper for (laughs) (laughs) I went, yeah, they're just just having a laugh about that. Um, (laughs) But you can see, I can picture it now that Russell Williams and Helen Chamberlain are just dealing with it. And Behinan sat there going, why am I here? Why is this... Why you know, was that? Yeah. Really yeah. Traumatized because, because people that was an enormous country shaking thing, and I, I think the country has never been the same since that happened. But just last yeah. way, it was equal to me discovering that news. Thinking, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell that. you. I'll
2: tell you who was more upset about it than Lars Borpin, and David Ellery. David oh, Ellery. Right. David Ellery wrote a, a diary of that season. Um, and he, he's, he, it's pretty dry, he, isn't it, John?
1: Yeah. Oh, it,
2: oh, it's very dry. It, <laughs> might, it might be the driest, actually. I he, mean, was some he meant are...
1: to be referee in Liverpool versus Newcastle <laughs> that day? <laughs> it's it's like
0: that he... got cancelled.
1: <laughs> Did it really? <laughs>
0: okay. it was Liverpool, Newcastle that day. Yeah,
2: yeah it got got cancelled, didn't it? Yeah. No, he was just he's just in bits about it. it says he it says he would often dream of her. <laughs> um, yeah. He's he's
0: even a bit Princess Diana. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to know about David Ellery's dreams. That's for sure. I was doing a, <laughs> a yes, yeah, because so I remember everyone coming to the news agents because all the papers were late. I don't know if I've told this story on the show before because um, they were trying to print run the, what had happened. And yeah. the the uh, owner of the news agents kept telling them, and they had these old biddies just like, "Oh, don't be don't be silly, Frank," and his name was, and we we're like, "No, no, she's dead." And those people are like, crying, and I'm just like, "I want to go bed." can I just deliver the news. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I always remember the story, I think I've said about this before, but the, you know Viz always had an uncanny knack of doing a story and then the person in question dying and, and the front of the Viz that month was uh, a story called Frankenstein Must Die where, Frank, where Princess Diana had died and been brought back to life as a Frankenstein's monster and they were getting wow. death threats and all sorts of the Viz lads. Whoa. yeah. Whoa. We should, get, we should get Simon on, Simon Donald on one of these. Yeah, yeah. talk about Newcastle. Really,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's talk quickly then before uh, about the second book. Um, I, I've said, let's, let's pick a story, maybe each, that you, that's very 90s. I've I mean, got one that I want to
1: ask about that is okay. very Christmas-based uh, well, uh, and just we'll, amazing. We'll get to
0: you, Joel. Let's that, let the authors speak first. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> cool. uh, let's come to you first, um, John. Pick a story, you know, without revealing too much, because we want people to put this in their Christmas stockings, don't we? Um, but a favourite story from a 90s popular that you've read in that that's in part of the new book?
2: Oh, one 190 story, probably. Um, Pat Vandenau at Millwall. Oh, this will be um, new. yeah, he <laughs> he so he, he they had a bit of a, a drinking club there, him and Keith Stevens, and um, a couple of the others, and um, that a that a local. And uh, they played this game where they would play with a dartboard, and the game was that, that you had to put your hand on a dartboard while the others threw darts into it right. to see how long you could see who was the toughest to see who could keep their hand there while dart after dart was thudding into your hand uh, and terrifying the locals. And then he and he oh. said, "Oh yeah, we'd all go into we'd all go into training with bandages on our hands the next." That was really really funny. <laughs> we were we were lucky enough to ask. Um, we did a, a podcast, uh, football legends, uh, recently, and we had Mick McCarthy on and asked him oh, about it because he, he was he was managing there at the time, yeah, yeah. and he was he was very polite about it. But he sort of um, yeah, he, he he didn't seem surprised by it. To put it that way, he said yeah. he, did, he said I don't really remember them playing with the bandages on, but um, yeah, it doesn't
0: surprise me at all. I, I think don't... it was. Um, Terry Herbert just walking us. around with a dart still in his hand yeah I'm not, not even yeah absolutely a yeah, like, yeah like
2: Wolverine yeah just, just, just
0: absolute <laughs> animal that. Night. my I, I, my <laughs> in-laws are all Millwall so I have um, a small affinity they're not Millwall but uh, I have a small affinity Millwall <laughs> <laughs> Millwall yeah, Millwall. yeah they're, they're they're pleasant people I love them um, then um, <laughs> yeah, I have to say that. how about yourself um, pick a story from us specifically I mean
3: I think the um I think one of the most incredible stories... Uh, I mean, we'll tell it because it is it's in the book, but I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Is from uh, Mark Ward's book. Mark Ward oh, book yeah. for Lovely. West Ham and Everton and Man City. And he is at a uh, Christmas party uh, while, he's at Ever- while he's at Everton. And what's he dressed up as, John? Can you remember? Uh, is he... Dennis the Menace. He's Dennis the Menace. No, yeah.
2: he's, not, he's not a tampon. I think he might be Dennis the Menace.
3: <laughs> I think he's Dennis um, the Menace. And who's yeah. he having a fight with? He's having a fight with, is it John Ebrall? John, John Ebrall. John Ebrall
2: is winding him up.
3: John Ebrall is winding him up and John Ebro is dressed as Popeye. <laughs> and it, John Ebro keeps punching him on the arm and he, gets, and he starts to get really annoyed by it. Right Charles in his
1: TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> and uh, so he, he starts chasing him through this bar, and then he, he runs past um a, someone dressed as a cowboy. And he goes, "Give me, give me your gun! I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot uh, Popeye." And he runs after John Evelyn. Can't find him. And then he sees Barry Horn and Neville Southall sitting at a sitting at a bar, having just drinking, obviously. And Barry Horn is not dressed as Popeye, he's dressed as the Pope. And he goes, have you seen, <laughs> have you seen John Ebrel anywhere? And Barry Horn says, uh, no, no, I haven't seen him. Sorry, mate. And he says, oh, he says, oh I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot him. have got this gun. And he goes, and this was an era where, I'm sure you remember in the 90s, where the Pope sort of had his Pope-mobile, didn't he? Was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Under threat of being shot and stuff. And he goes, well, I'm the Pope. You should shoot me. And he went, yeah, all right. And he shoots him. And he says, this... Um, like kind of fire just came out of the gun, and it was loaded with blanks. Like genuinely <laughs> loaded. So although it's a blank, it still no hit. Yeah, and yeah. threw him backwards, and it did his did his sort of robes catch on fire?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't robes getting the deposit on back. On. He's not getting the deposit back <laughs> on oh, that costume.
3: Like, <laughs> it's the most insane story. Like tenor they- men, he's running through a bar. Chasing, chasing the Popeye to shoot him with what he thinks is a fake gun, but it's not; it's a real gun. It's got blanks in it,
0: and he shoots Barry Orn, who's dressed as this gun. Oh That's comedy you can't write. It's just That's incredible. Wait, quite... lads, you need to turn this into a TV show. This <laughs>
2: <laughs> The year, so the year before, so Mark Wardo previous, because the year before yeah. he'd set fire to Dave, uh, Watson. Dave Watson's grass skirt. Yeah. Um, All right, obviously. so so I assume he was on a warning already, and then yeah. he, this, he turns out... He says
3: something like, I saw the grass skirt, and I thought, uh, oh, I wonder if that would go up in flames. And then, so just got a lighter out and just set light to it. Yeah, dry grass generally does, Mark. Well, this uh, this is
1: this, that's a nice link, because that's a very nice link about things going up in flames, and I'm sure you know what I'm going to ask about now. Yes, Gary Ablett, Steve Nichol. Yeah. You tell this story. Yeah. This is incredible.
3: It's amazing. It's, 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 they've just lost to Crystal Palace 4-3, haven't they? In
1: the in the 1990s semi. Yeah.
3: yeah, what a day that so was. I mean, talk about 90s football. Oh. That was one of the greatest yeah. days. Because that had never happened before. Had it two games in a day. And they're great games. And they're both great games. What's yeah. the first one you think? Well, Man United-Oldham's going to be rubbish, and then it's absolutely brilliant. I think we've said on this show
0: before, it's the greatest semi-final day ever yeah. Of the yeah. FA it's Cup the first time no, they did them on a the Sunday 90s. as well yeah, yeah. not just the 90s mm. it's it, like the FA Cup peaked in the 90s in its first year on that day <laughs> yeah amazing it's amazing um, and, and Liverpool uh,
3: obviously they lost but they booked a hotel to celebrate and they think, <laughs> think it was only Prittle page who beat them 9-0 yeah. earlier in the season <laughs> yeah, exactly it's going to be fine and they just had this this sort of uh, you know very sad sort of meal with all the wives there and everything, and then it's Steve Nicol, isn't it? What does he do? Smithy he sort of...
1: He, well, he, he noticed Gary Ablett's wife and noticed yeah.
3: her hair. I think she had yeah. the, the big eighties sort um, of um, yeah, like uh, a lot of
2: hairspray, a lot
1: of hairspray, yeah, yeah. a lot like, of hairspray, uh, very from dynasty, That's oh, very dynasty, there. like uh, yeah. you know yeah. John yeah. Collins or Crystal Harrington yeah. or something.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he just um, he just for some reason he just sort of looked at it and 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 set set it on fire and then. <laughs> <laughs> and it just went up because it was just so, so much hairspray in it. And Gary Ablett, <laughs> Gary, around sort around, of Steve Nickel smashing his wife's
0: head trying to put out this fire. Seriously, this needs to be a um, sketch show, yeah. and people wouldn't believe that you, <laughs> it's from true life. It would be, it's, it's brilliant. Um, it's a lot it,
2: to come back from, that isn't it? With yeah. a teammate, it's a lot to come back. That from. is a lot to come back from. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder they didn't win the league for so long after.
3: Or <laughs> <laughs> well, even yeah. Steve Nicol, he had form for that as well, didn't he? So it's definitely sort of yeah. Sort he
2: burnt his mate's it. house down.
0: Yeah. Right. So a, and fire seems to be a theme. that Did yeah. not go together yeah. in Yeah. We've yeah. never so, done. We've never done fires do it. of the 1990s. No
1: fires <laughs> of the 1990s is
0: not an episode I've ever yeah. thought of. But I'm slowly thinking it's maybe a theme we need to go down. Um, There's one
1: story I do want to hear about because I, it actually made my jaw drop when I read it and it's, it didn't happen in the 90s but it's concerning a 90s manager and considering we're about five, six weeks away from Christmas it concerns Christmas I'd like to, you to tell me about Mr Anderson and Kevin Keegan if you can remember that one off the top of your head
3: Oh yeah, That's, that was when we were talking about these stories this was one of your favourites, wasn't it, John? A young Kevin Keegan
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so one of, um, so growing up as a lad in, uh, in Doncaster, isn't he? I think. And, yeah. um, one of, Ke- you know, Kevin, there's an undertaker's on his street. And, um, uh, one day it's the undertaker beckons Kevin and, um, uh, not, and not, just one, not just one day. Yeah. Christmas day. <laughs> yeah. Christmas beckons him over. And um, he's prepping a, a recently deceased man with a, a long white beard, and he says, uh, hey, "Look at that, boys! Father Christmas is dead." <laughs> Astonishing! Astonishing! Putting putting put a Christmas twist on Christmas you know show, showing <laughs> showing a dead body to kids would al- yeah. would already be bad enough without the Chris- without the Father Christmas angle. Oh, but, but I I think
3: that. yeah,
2: I think I think you can trace. All of Kevin yeah. Keegan's eccentric behaviour
3: after that, back to that point. <laughs> all, its all—it's all explained through that. Isn't you'd
2: never—you'd never get over it.
3: I mean, uh, you know, we haven't got—we have, we haven't got time, but the story in Kevin Keegan's second book about after he quit at Newcastle and what he did after that. Um, it's it's one of the greatest couple of pages in an autobiography I've ever read. For, for no, making, we'll, we'll save that no sense. because this has yeah. been this
0: has been hilarious. One of our funniest episodes, and I'm I, I'm finally <laughs> to do it more. You can read the book, but hearing you guys tell it is is, is there's another thing. So maybe maybe we'll do this little dance again before Christmas, and we'll do Yeah, That's, yeah, definitely very good. Um, plug the book though before we go. Um john where all good bookstores and all
2: that where can people find it yeah i mean obviously shops are shut at the moment so uh so you're looking at online but waterstones and, and wh smiths you can order it online or through the publishers or amazon obviously amazon and um who else was it dan and then
3: you've got this this new uh uh book place isn't there now which is called uh bookshop uk.bookshop.org yeah uk bookshop it's the... helping out indie bookstores yes yeah, yeah it's on there as well good stuff
0: and if people want to follow you on uh, on the social channels John uh, where would they need to go
3: well Dan's
2: uh, um, at Dan Trelfer because yep. um, he's managed to get that being called <laughs> John Smith bit of time I joined Twitter the first 30,000 were gone so I, I'm <laughs> on at very popular name on uh, on Twitter or Instagram both the same handle on both at very popular name you're
0: lucky to have a bloody Twitter account oh don't you start <laughs> I've, the Ash Rose without anything at the end of it hasn't tweeted since 2012 and I'm very annoyed about oh, it's it. I, quite up. Like, I quite like that account because I'm Ash Rose UK which I'm fine but you know everyone was just wants their name don't they, they want to feel yeah, like
2: yeah
0: um, I, I haven't tried you know the Ash Rose or you know all that I just want my name but yeah that person I have a tweet or get rid of the handle please. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's he it's might it's be dead. dead. Yeah. He might be
1: in myth- the Undertaker's place over the road it from Kevin Keegan's... Don't in he, Doncaster well, for all you he know. He should have been
0: his will to unrelease un- un- that uh, Twitter <laughs> handle. To me, I don't know if <laughs> um, Joe, you're on Instagram now, aren't you?
1: Yeah, yes, that Joel on Instagram, or Jolino on Facebook, if you want to come and say all that. you did
0: a great question, um, today. your Tuesday question, which, I mean, we haven't got time to go into, but um, I did answer it. I don't know if you noticed that I answered it earlier, which was... Um, I haven't a
1: look yet. It was, what don't you get?
0: Yeah. Just and I said,
1: it. Taskmaster. What yeah.
0: did you say? I said, autographs. Don't get it. Like why like, <laughs> Why, why? I just don't understand it. I just, I, you know, I love Roy Wegley, but having something signed, I've just... I don't know. I don't feel the need. I don't get it. That's, I'm going to say Paul
1: McCartney album, but that's going to buy me a house when he dies. Yeah, but that's
0: worth something. But do you know, people cite who, who, who queue up for and I'm not judging. and I just don't understand it myself. You know, I just don't. Yeah, I don't get
3: it. Fair enough. But, it's I mean, a bit of an awkward end, though, Joel, because I've worked on the last seven series
1: of Taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> I did no, no, I didn't say I didn't like it, I just said I didn't get it.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's fine. Yeah. It wasn't like last week when I MRA. did What Don't I
0: Like, well, that everybody else likes. Everyone else does. Um, oh, so yeah, go and take Joel's Facebook, <laughs> yeah, me, question. I'm going to slowly go away from that now.
1: Um,
0: well, I said something else as well, I can't remember. Oh, go on Facebook, Joel, and have a look. Oh, I'll, I'll have a look, look now. Have a look now. Oh, tattoos, but that's each to their own. I get why people do it, but I'm just fascinated by it. Um, okay, let's go. Fake eyelashes,
1: as well, you said, actually. Fake
0: eyelashes! Just, <laughs> just don't understand it. Like, they always look so fake. I don't... Like, this, we're going down a, a bizarre rabbit hole now, let's
1: just... So, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dan, if you want to slag off first date, Sunday brunch to a loose women, you can do it now, cos I've worked a <laughs>
3: No, they're all fine shows. I they're wouldn't, all, I wouldn't oh, say
0: anything. Again out. <laughs> 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 um, um, shows that you totally, totally get. Don't you know. Anyway, um, more importantly, follow the show at 8 on Twitter, AK9 on Instagram, and and yeah, rate review. I've completely lost my train of in outro. Yeah, train of thought. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, guys. The book is out now. Um, so do check it out it's hilarious as you've probably heard over the past hour or so so yeah do check out the book Second Yellow it's called Um, we'll be back next week talking Alan Shearer we've got a catch is back on the TV show so cult heroes we're talking Alan Shearer but until next time keep it 90s